to another edition. I believe this is episode 30. The big 3-0. The big 3-0 of the train with the best podcast. Craig Hoffman here. We made it. Chris Gorez there. Uh, and our guest today is going to be Yo Murphy, who is a trainer down in Florida, runs ASPI, ASPI uh, is a trainer to many NFL players. And uh, we're going to talk a little about the evaluation process, how he got into this career. Um, he's a Vertimax master trainer. We'll, we'll talk to him a little bit why he likes that process and why he likes Vertimax, which is becoming a theme on this podcast. But there's two guys who love to train with Vertimax. That's right. That yeah. should be no surprise. It's mm-hmm. not like we're doing it uh, for any other reason other than we like the product and right. we believe in it. So right. um, that is that. Uh, so I want to start the podcast today with a couple of different things. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about that evaluation process that you use and, um, you know, what what kind of use in a box gym and, and kind of in my training world. Um, and because it's frankly something I think I could be better at. So I'm going to make Chris make me better. <laughs> That's really what this podcast is. It's a giant facade uh, for me to get coached by Chris. Um, but I want to start with something we talked about a few weeks ago and kind of expand on it a little bit. Yep. As the team, the football team that I cover, the Washington Redskins, has, I believe, 15 injured players right now on a 53-man roster. Um, Jay Gruden, their head coach today, uh, when asked about practice this week and scaling back, he he said of their Tuesday walkthrough that they might have tomorrow. I don't know who my left tackle will be. We don't really have one, which is amazing. Yeah. And as you do when you have that many injuries – questions start about the strength and conditioning program what are your trainers doing how could this possibly happen and we talked about it a little bit ago and chad Englehart, the redskins head uh mm-hmm. athletic trainer is someone that you know um or excuse me their, their strength and conditioning coach is someone you know and have worked yep. with mm-hmm. um in the past and he's someone who's incredibly well respected throughout the That's strength right. and conditioning industry yep. um by his players by by the coaching staff there so i know chad's good yeah um, I know the process is good. It's just that the football is a violent game. And so I wanted to let you talk about that a little bit, kind of what you would be doing if you were in Chad's shoes with all of these guys hurt. And the other thing I want to touch on is if the rules now, the way the NFL has them, where you are limited with the amount of time you can spend with players, you think that is hurting them in the long run? Um, so... There's a lot that she just asked right, right there. First of all, One thing at a time. Let, let me just say that, yes, I, I had a chance to work with Chad back in 2012, and I've known Chad for, for quite a while, and he's a guy that knows his stuff, that knows how to get along with players, that knows how to run a program. So, you know, I, I know that the Redskins are getting a world-class strength and conditioning coach when it comes to Chad Englehart. So there, there's never a question in my mind about whether Chad or not. Chad is doing the best that he can because he is, and, and he's one of the best yes. out there. Um Yes, it is a violent game, and sometimes you just have to get lucky, and the Redskins have been a bit unlucky. Uh, Horrifically and, unlucky. Yeah, I mean, you were talking about... Oh, look, a lot of teams have injuries. This yeah. stuff happens in this yeah. league, but... The, Gi- the Giants are another team that Yeah, the going Giants are going, injuries. hey, look, our entire offense Green Bay hurt. has the same, type of, the same type of deal going on. They they haven't had a left tackle in, I think, two years or, or yeah. something like that. So, you know, the, 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 the game of musical chairs on the line, it just, it just happens, and... You know, sometimes sometimes you just kind of take for granted the fact that we have had guys pretty healthy for the last couple of years that, you know, we haven't had to deal with that. And Trent Williams has been somebody who's been pretty reliable from a health standpoint. And, you know, uh, Brandon Scherf, another guy who's who's played, played every game every until game Sunday. Since, yeah, exactly. So you kind of have to take a look and say, wow, well, you know, we were pretty lucky that 
they were able to play that much and, and that consistently without having a real major injury. Um, as far as the rules are concerned with the CBA, yes, there are some people who suffer from that, especially younger players um, who may not necessarily realize what type of work goes into taking care of your body. You know, for some of the older guys, uh, and that's why this uh, this rule was kind of put into place. I like to call it the Joe Gibbs rule because yeah. Joe Gibbs used to just hammer the guys during the season and hammer these guys in the off season. And you know, by the time they're ready to get getting ready to play, they're just so beat up and worn down. You know, so for for the NFL vets who don't need that type of regiment, that they know how to take care of their body, right. the, the CBA was a good thing because you know it gave them a little bit more time off. It gave it gave them a little bit more uh, control of what, what a little bit more do. freedom. And a there's a personal freedom. responsibility yeah. involved, and I, and I think that there are younger players that come into the league that don't, or even rookies. You know, they're training for the combine, they're training for the draft, yeah, they're something training different. To play football, um, you know, those two things are on some level different, and so the work that goes in from a preventative standpoint. You know, they say like, "Oh, I have to be here at this time," and then it's like, "Okay, well, I guess I guess the rest of the time off." And yeah, they just kind of work out on their own. They don't really have a plan, a program, right? Um, and and, I, and it's I, certainly not tailored to what they need because they don't know their bodies that well yet. Yep. And, and I'll say this: the the industry itself, as far as strength and conditioning training and performance coaching, whatever you want to call that, because some guys don't even know what to call it anymore. Um, it's really at a tipping point. There's a lot of guys who know what they're doing. Chad is certainly one of those guys. And then there's a lot of guys who are still kind of stuck in the old school. Mm. And, you know, everybody, especially in the football world, knows somebody who knows somebody that, that runs the weight room, and that's kind of the guy that they go to. And it's like black and white TV. If you were living in the 50s and 60s and you didn't know anything but black and white TV, you would think that that's awesome. You right. wouldn't know anything about HD, 4K, 1080p, all that <laughs> right. other stuff. You know what I mean? So in a little while, we're going to have a chance to talk to Yo Murphy. Like When you learn that there are other ways to train and that there are, I hate to say it, but better ways to train, that you, know, you don't, for a young guy, they don't know that, they, that what they're doing, they think that they're putting in the work and they're, and they're working hard and, and they're lifting the weights that they think that they're supposed to lift and they don't realize that that's actually doing something that's, not as beneficial as what they think it is. Right. You know, so so I think that there's still a lot that people have to learn. There's still a lot of education that has to happen for people to, to learn how to lift. And this is not just an NFL problem. This is all the way down through college and high school. Like we have to learn how to train these kids and, and how much load that we should be using, when we should be using load, when we should be doing heavy squats. It's not necessarily – if you should be doing heavy squats, you should. But why should you be doing them, and when should you be doing them, and when should you be tapering off of that stuff? You right. know what I mean. And and when is enough and enough? You know what I mean. So we'll we'll talk about the evaluation process as well, and talking about you know if we can get somebody past that thresh that that strength threshold where there's we feel like they're strong enough to play and they're going to make it through the season. Okay, what does their training look like versus somebody who's below that threshold? What does their training look like? Right. You know. Yeah. Let me ask you one more question. Let's get into the evaluation process. So many of the injuries that happen in football naturally happen because of contact. Sure. What can a strength and conditioning coach or a performance coach do to help prevent or worsen or lessen the severity of a contact injury? And I'm not talking like a broken leg, although I guess in some ways you could if there's a way to help lessen the chance that that happens. But like I think back to, and obviously this isn't con this is contact with the ground, but like 
I remember you coming on the radio with me after the Bryce Harper injury right. and describing how his core strength and how strong his quads are and everything prevented him from destroying his leg. Right. And so, I, you know, if, if it's a turned ankle that's not as severe, you know, as someone steps on it because the ankle is stronger or more mobile or what, like, things like that, what can you do to try to prevent, and whether it's adding natural padding and muscle um, and, and toughening that muscle or mobility, like what are the things you're thinking about for football specifically to try to prevent or lessen the severity of the inevitable injury? So for me, you break it down into a couple of different things, and these are pretty basic concepts, but you have to combine them, right? So you have your, your, three, your, your concept of three different planes of motion. You have your frontal, transverse, and your sagittal planes of motion. You have to train in all three planes of motion, right? And for those of you who are listening, your sagittal is straightforward and back and up and down, which is your typical training regimen. And then you have your frontal plane, which is moving side to side and laterally. And then you have your transverse plane, which is your rotation. So you have to be able to train in all three planes of motion because that's what movement is. That's what the sport is. You're, you're moving. You're not a vacuum cleaner and you go right. forward and back. You're, you're moving in all kinds of different directions. The second thing that you have to, to, to really, really, really understand is the, the three different phases of, an, of a muscle contraction. So you have your eccentric, isometric, and concentric phases, right? Typically, everybody knows what the concentric phase is. You're pushing weight, you're moving weight, you're accelerating weight. Um, your muscles are getting shorter, right? And that's what we focus on. How much bench, you know, how much can you bench? How much can you push? How much can you squat? How much can you lift, right? And then some trainers actually focus on the eccentric phase because we understand that eccentric and isometric training uh, gives you more muscle activation and it can be more beneficial, especially when it comes to hypertrophy phases and things like that, right? But that eccentric phase has to happen in a couple of different ways. It can't just be that slow eccentric that you're bringing down a, a weight on a four count, hold for a second, and then up on an X, right? So you have to you have to change that. So even in our program, the first thing that I work on is, can I make this movement, or, or can I put this movement in proper alignment, right? Mm -hmm. I've got to fix the alignment of this movement. I'm not worried about range of motion yet, but as everything in alignment, line, do the ankles, knees, hips, shoulders, spine, is that all in proper alignment? Great. Now we can move on to range of motion, right? right. Now I'm trying to get into that depth, right? So the depth of a squat or, you know, the, the range of motion on, on a rotational pull, something like that. And then I get into that tempo. So I'm talking about a slow eccentric followed by a, a pause or an isometric and then quick concentric, right? So that's phase three. Phase four, now I'm, I'm, I'm getting rid of that, I, that eccentric and really putting it into an isometric. Now I'm just burning it in. Right, I need them to get stronger and understand what this feels like. This doesn't feel very good. No. I put you through some isometrics; they don't feel no, very good. No, it was not fun. <laughs> it hurts. All right, so but you need it. Right, so so now we went through the slow eccentric, isometric. Now we got to go to quick eccentric, right? And right. I think this is the one where the rubber really meets the road for me. We've done the the, the quick rapid stick RFEs, yeah. where if you've never done that before, you start oh. to realize, wow, this is how fast my muscle has to fire, right? You you have to get used to being able to hit the ground, use your proprioception, and, and and eccentrically or rapidly decelerate weight or decelerate your body and control that and put yourself into an isometric before accelerating again, right? 
So that I think that's something that I like to do. I like to do those rapid eccentrics, and then and then I like to do a lot of tactical stuff, right? These things have to happen not in a predictable setting, right? If you know that the rep is coming, that's one thing. But what happens when you don't know where, where that rep is going to come from, right? Mm. Can you stick it when I tell you to stick it randomly? Can you can you stick it when I don't tell you, but I I touch you, and then you fire it? You know what I mean? So it th- these things happen have to happen. We talked about. The three planes of motion, we talked about the three phases of a muscle contraction, but now you have to also give them three different types of cues. So you have your visual cue, your auditory cue, and then your tactical cue, right? right? Where I'm actually touching you or I'm pushing you, and then you have to absorb it, right? So I think that if you cover those three things, and even those three things by three, those are nine different, or I'm sorry, not nine. 27 different combinations of exercises that you can now choose from. Right. Right. Um, I think that that is, that covers a lot. I don't know that you can ever, I don't know that you can ever simulate the contact of somebody running through you, but I think that that covers a lot. Right. You, you You give your body a better chance to have an appropriate reaction. And that's really all you can do. And, and that's some, that's something that's missing. Not only are not only are we missing the rapid eccentric in in training, but we're missing the different types of cues in training. Right? Mm-hmm. Don't just throw somebody out there and say, "Hey, we're going to do these ladder drills, and you know exactly where to go, what to do." Like, right. throw some randomness out there and say, "Hey, listen, when I say stick, I want you to stop and show me that you're balanced and controlled." And I can, I might say stick at any moment. You know what I mean? Right. So. You know, or or you put them into planks and and you have them with their eyes closed and you're pushing them around and trying to see if if they right. can resist you or or if the the littlest touch throws them off of balance. You right, know? and you can do that with other isometric too. You know, you have Absolutely. someone hold a squat hold, things yeah. like that. Um, are great. Yep. Um, also great with groups as long as they're can, as long as they're not, that's a hand to not yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's not punch each other in the face. No, let's don't not. do that. Yeah, no, we we catch this med for. ball. Okay, close your eyes and catch right. Like, no, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> that could be a fun game for trainers. See how far <laughs> your your kids will trust you, and then go open your eyes, you dummy. You can't catch a med ball <laughs> with your eyes closed. But yeah, thanks for trusting me. <laughs> yeah, but I, I appreciate that. Um, right. No, that's that's an awesome answer, um, and I think it's so different. And this leads really well into the conversation with Yo of like understanding it's not about how much you can squat not at all and just getting that idea out of your head well when training an athlete I'll, I'll say this to clarify yeah it is about how much you can squat to a certain point right i always talk about this threshold once you've passed mm-hmm. that threshold then it's not about how much you can squat right. so if you're below that threshold let's just say it's 500 pounds i don't know what that threshold is I don't know if there's I hope exact it's not 500 because I'm never going to get to the Well, you're not playing in the NFL tomorrow. <laughs> so let's say this Or, or Wednesday, but Thursday with the way the Redskins are going <laughs> could be a possibility. Right, right. But let's I'm say— I'm certainly first up in the media core. <laughs> right. I, I think you're getting drafted first if if you're in the pool with, with Grant and Danny and—, and All and, due respect to and, John Conn. All due respect to JP. I know JP's listening. Um but yeah, so <laughs> wait, what are we talking about here? The squat threshold. The squat threshold, right? So if you're below that threshold, then it is about how much you can squat. We need to get you to that threshold where you're strong enough to play this game. But once you're above that, and if you're in the NFL already, you're probably already above that. Right. Then, then we have to take a look at other things that that could be the difference for you playing 16 games versus being out in week six. Right. All right. So. 
as you set someone up in their off-season program, uh, there's going to be an evaluation process to see uh, if they're at that threshold. And then, assuming they are beyond it because they're an NFL athlete uh, or a, an NBA athlete or whatever it may be, whatever their threshold is. And it can be, of course, for squat, for bench, for whatever. Yep. There's a base level of strength and different movement patterns that you're looking for. Um, what they need, stability, mobility, balance, whatever it may be, core strength. So what is your in a simplified, I guess, for podcast version, going <laughs> to as much depth as you want. I have nowhere else to be. Um, what What is your evaluation process? What do you look at? Uh, and then after we get the athlete one, I would like to do like a non-athlete gen pop evaluation mini talk. Yeah, so the FMS has been a really, really useful tool for, for me um, over the last however many years I've been doing FMS. I don't even know how, how long I've been doing that. Um, but... I think there are three things that the FMS doesn't give me. The FMS, and for those of you who are listening, the FMS is the functional movement screen developed yep. by Gray Cook, and it's a it's a great it's a great tool to use. If you want more, go to functionalmovement.com or look up FMS. It's all yeah. over the place, right? The three things that the FMS doesn't give me, or the original FMS doesn't give me, is what happens at the contact, what happens when your foot leaves the ground and then touches the ground again, what happens when movement is random. Right, and then what happens when you're a little bit fatigued? Mm-hmm. Right, so those are three things that the FMS doesn't give me. So just kind of going back to the way that I would train a person, that's kind of the way that I would evaluate them. I love Mike Boyle's uh, approach that that joint by joint approach by Mike Boyle when he he says t- he says that there's kind of this alternating. A desire from your joints from the ground up. So if you start with the ankle, the ankle needs to be mobile. Your knee needs to be stable. Your hip needs to be mobile. Your lumbar spine needs to be stable. Your thoracic spine needs to be mobile. Shoulders need to be stable. Like So they have to – there's this alternating pattern, right? So I like to kind of identify what we need there as far as mobility and stability in the joints. Then I take a look at the, the basic movement patterns that we have. We have our hip-dominant movements, our knee-dominant movements, push and pull. Can they – do those movements with proper alignment can they perform those movements with sufficient range of motion can they control the deceleration of that movement pattern can they accelerate from that movement pattern and can they rapidly do those things so those are all the things that i'm evaluating if that <laughs> if that makes sense yeah, right so I, yeah i uh, i'm also looking at asymmetries right so i'm looking and at also by the way just if you're listening to this all of a sudden you don't become an expert because you have to like just because you know what to evaluate you still have to know what to evaluate for and that's yeah. the fun part it's like okay he can go up up and down but what am i looking for you're right. looking for xyz yep. and that's we we could literally spend hours on this yeah yeah and you could you could look at which muscles are, are compensating which which muscles are firing first where do they hold their tightness can they maintain posture all those other things um I like to use the Kaiser a lot because the Kaiser gives me an actual reading where I can take a comparison of, like, your your right leg versus your left leg. Um, right. I, I can tell you this, like, for soccer players, the the leg that they kick with, the leg that they a soccer player kicks with is going to be more powerful at light loads, less powerful at heavy loads. So if you're a right-footed kicker and I put – 100 pounds of, of PSI on that Kaiser squat, and I do a single leg squat right versus left, your right foot is probably going to be more powerful. It's going to have a, a higher output than your left. As that weight gets heavier, say 200 pounds, your left side is going to be is going to be the one that produces more output. 
because it's more stable. Like I, I've just I've just seen it too much. I, to, I'm thinking to about say, my own. I'm not a soccer player, but as a basketball player, he's done right-handed layups way more than he's done left. Like uh, I don't know if it's, I don't know if right-handed layups do it because it's not like a, a quick, rapid, dynamic movement. You know I what I mean? If you think of that that position, you stick like. That yeah. or I played more soccer in my youth than I thought I did. Because <laughs> yeah. my left leg is way more stable than my right, and it has been for but a long but, time. But it's, it's just interesting to see the difference between the asymmetry at light loads and at heavy loads. Right. So so that's that's part of the evaluation process. You have to take a look at how the, how does the body produce power at light loads? How does the body produce power at heavy loads? And is this a plyometric-based athlete or a strength-based athlete? And then what do I do to tra- train that athlete, right? Mm-hmm. Another, another good way to do that is with a – non-counter movement to a counter movement jump profile mm-hmm. right so not only do we test a, a right leg jump and a left leg jump but we test a counter movement jump versus a non-counter movement jump and what's the difference there and how much should that difference be and if it's beyond that difference then we know we need to train strength if it's not quite the difference that we're looking for then we know we need to train plyometrically you know so those are those are just little things that we look for in the evaluation process so that we know this is what this athlete needs this is how we're going to give it to him it's a lot of information. I'm going to have to listen to it 17 times to internalize <laughs> it. Uh, but that's the beauty of a podcast. We are here for you on demand at all times. Um, all right, real quick before we get to Yo Murphy, let's talk about the non-athlete, which I'm assuming is going to be a little less sophisticated because the demands of what is required day-to-day for a mom of two um, or a guy just trying to get in shape or whatever in between, your, your gen pop client it's not moving at high speeds under a rapid cue no. and dodging linebackers and whatever it may be. Um, so the threshold that we're trying to reach is not going to need to be as high. Um, also, the functional, like the where we're starting is probably not going to be as high. You have a lower ceiling, but you yep. also have a lower floor. Um, so when you evaluate general population, what, and let's take like a weight loss client, what are the things you're looking for there? Um, so movement wise, it's all the same. Like there's no such thing as a, a soccer ankle and a general population Correct. ankle. So we still, we still look at the, the mobility and stability. I don't know though. After I sent you a, a, an Instagram this week of Ronaldo doing, doing a leg extension and there is such thing as a soccer quad and he's got it. <laughs> That's what. Um, so Sorry. when we take a look at, <laughs> I'm ADD tonight <laughs> to an extreme. When we take a look at, when we take a look at not the muscles, but the joints, the joints right. are still the same. There's, there's, there's no difference there. Um, when we take a look at the strength spectrum though, I think there's a big difference between the way that I would look at, uh, a general population athlete or client who is looking to lose weight versus an athlete. Because if an athlete is experiencing pain, sometimes that's because of a compensation because, they're over tight in this muscle or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when a general population person is experiencing pain, then regress the movement. Like right. take away some of the load. Because if you if you do this push up and if you do a push up and it hurts your shoulders, but then you do a push up with your hands on a bench to put you on an incline and decrease the weight and that doesn't hurt your shoulders, guess what? The push up doesn't hurt you. It's you're too weak. Right. You know what I mean? So so a lot of times it's it's the strength right um or if you if you're trying to do a pull down right if you're doing a lat pull down and, mm-hmm. and you can't because it, it hurts you well if we decrease the weight and you can do it then that's a weakness issue that's not a strength right. issue if we're if we're doing a squat and you're squatting and this is the big one right if you're squatting and it hurts okay 
let's take a look at what's what's hurting you because if if I can unload you, if I can hook you up to uh, a lat pull-down machine where that gives you a little bit of assistance coming up, and now you do your squat and you have some assistance coming up and that doesn't hurt, it's a strength issue. It's not right. it's not a, a compensation issue, right? So I think I think we have to be a little bit more aware of that. Just dig a little bit deeper, actually, for for the uh, for the general population client when it comes to don't automatically assume that because this movement hurts that it's some sort of compensation issue. It might just be a strength issue. And yeah. I, I think we overcomplicate things yeah. for for the for the uh, for the athlete. We have to take a look at all three of those spectrums: eccentric, isometric, concentric, rapid eccentric, all those other things. But for uh, for the general population, we have to see: can they do those movements? And then you know, at what point can can they do them where it starts to hurt? Right. No, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, makes a ton of sense. And you can always think of ways to, to compensate, always think of ways to progress, regress. I think that's one of the most important things for a trainer who's working with any level of client. Do you have a progression or regression? It's one of the things that when we get new trainers that shadow me at my gym, it's I tell them, as we go through this hour and I have whatever exercise I'm doing, I want you to think of two progressions and two regressions yep. for every single thing I do, and we'll go over it after. If you can't do it, then you got you got more to go because there are going to be times where you have to change on the fly. You you there's no such thing as a perfect program before before a session starts. That's right. Yeah. Um, because of a million different things that you know your client says they're tired. Okay, well now we got to change everything. Um, you know they they really want to push today or they broke their hand yesterday. Like yeah. didn't tell you until they showed up. Like there's a million different things. Um, progression, regression wise, not to mention the flexibility you need if you work in a corporate gym of it's six o'clock on a Monday and there's no benches available. <laughs> right. So you always have to be able to think on your feet and and be able to move and progressing and regressing is a huge part of that. Yep. All right. Now our conversation with Yo Murphy, director of sports performance at Aspie on Tampa, Florida. He's awesome. That's after this on the Train with the Best podcast it's on the Grand Central. The Train with the Best podcast is brought to you by Crossover, and our friends at Crossover want to help you scout smarter and win more games. Chris, let's say we wanted to go check out the special teams from the Buffalo Bills yesterday. What would we find there from our good friend Lorenzo Alexander? We see our boys just out there making plays. Just, just making plays. Just making what plays. He does. That's what he does. You know, and Crossover is a great way to take a look at your team, take a look at other teams, evaluate the process, and get better. So if I wanted to go watch those plays back from yesterday, I could literally go in the crossover app, select Lorenzo Alexander, and I would watch any play where he accumulated a stat, include a forced fumble on special teams, whether it's his defensive plays as well. Um, and that's what they can do, not just for an NFL team, but they can do that for your team too. All you got to do is log in, start getting powerful analysis straight from your video. Even if you think you already know what these guys are about, take another look. Their new insights feature will automatically give you a scouting report on your opponent broken down by down and distance, something you're not going to get with Huddle or anybody else. Sign up at crossover.com slash grandstand to receive one free game. That's crossover with a K.com slash grandstand to receive one free game. Our guest today on the Train with the Best podcast is Yo Murphy. Played 14 years of professional football. Four of those were in the NFL. He's now the director of sports performance at Aspie ASPI down in Tampa, where he's also a Vertimax master trainer, as is Mr. Gores over here. That's right. Uh, Yo, what's up, man? Good to talk to you. Thanks for coming on the Train with the Best podcast. 
No, I appreciate it, fellas. Good to be here. Appreciate it. Yo, tell us a little bit about your story, how you transitioned into kind of the training industry from being a former player. You know, I think the big thing was as a as a young player, it took me a while to get to the NFL. And um, I was uh, – it was my actually my third year going into my fourth year, and I was with the St. Louis Rams. I'd played um, two years with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, you know, one year with the Rams, and I – partially tore my quad tendon and so at the end of the year um you know I, we had a great season went to the super bowl we ended up losing it but i played um they told me you know you probably won't do much more damage so let's just address it at the end of the year and i had to have surgery and i was 30 i think i i want to say i just turned 31 and um you know as you get older it's harder and then you know it was a pretty you know rough injury pretty extensive so you know, it was really hard to come back from. And I, I'd never really paid attention much to, um, you know, the, the specific, um, sports performance training. I just used to work, you know, I'd work out, you know, squat, bench, run, and never really thought too much about there being, you know, a, a definite protocol and phases and really things that I need to pay attention to. You know, I'd always been quick and, 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 and strong and, um, when I had that injury, I lost all of it. And so, um, you know, really understanding my body was key for me to come back. And, um, you know, my, my athletic trainer at the Rams, my physical therapist and my strength and conditioning coach, um, you know, really showed me that it makes a difference, you know, how you train. Um, I came back and had a, you know, another successful year, um, and I wouldn't have been able to do it without that. And it really opened my eyes to it. And, you know, I just fell in love with it because I understood how much you could really make a difference, um, in somebody's life by how much it made a difference in mine. Yeah. There's certainly a, a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things. And it was great that you were able to find that as a player. And, and now, you know, obviously you're, you're showing guys the ropes uh, as a trainer. Now talk a little bit about kind of how, that's influenced your program. How do you how do you approach your program whenever you get a new client? Um, you know, it's all you know the eval. Um, I think as a as coming from the side as a of a player, I understand that there's going to be trauma to your body no matter what. Um, right. You know, the way to have adaptations is through resistance. You know, when you play football or baseball or basketball or any you know explosive sport, there's a lot of resistance. And so what we do in the eval is um, I, I, I try to approach the eval to say, all I want to do is know what's the least amount of work I can get for the biggest bang and, and just prioritize what they need. And um, we really focus on efficiency of movement. So, you know, you know, focusing on stability and mobility um, and just really, these guys are so gifted and, and, and talented when they get to us and strong that if we can just get better body awareness and, and get their body working better, um, you know, it, it just starts turning into performance and, and safety and, you know, us being able to keep them on the field longer. And so I just, I really, the first thing I think about is, is, you know, what do we need to correct? Um, not, you know, getting guys bigger, stronger. I got, I got guys that come in and could, if I told them to lift one half of the weight room and move it, they could do it, you <laughs> yeah. know? Yep. And so it's, it's like, 
you know, I, I, you know, I laugh when, you know, I'll have a guy come to me, a uh, big D lineman from the Bucks came to me and said, uh, um, you know, he, he, he had his last place, you know, they just worked on strength and, you know, I asked him what he benched and he said 485. And I said, what, what are you trying to bench? You know, like, what else do you need? And so I think just sitting and talking to guys and then when they see it and understand it, um, it's just a different way of, of thinking for them. And it was just like me, you know, I didn't, I didn't know. I just knew um, what I had done had worked so far. So I just kept doing it. And, um, you know, when they see that there's a different way to do it, maybe a little bit better, not really with anything I do, you know, Chris, you know, you know how it is. It's just assisting what they already have in them. That's right. Yeah, no doubt. For you, you know, selling that different model, obviously there's some guys who are going to come to you based off reputation. They know what you're about. But when you start to talk to them about your program and it is very different than some of the things they've experienced, how is that received and how has you become more established? Has that changed where guys are maybe a little bit more open because they, they, you have a, a wall of clients that where you have success stories? Uh, you know, it's funny you said that because as I, when I first started this, I, I knew when I first got into it 10 years ago, I knew this is something that I wanted to do. I didn't had no idea how to do it, you know, um, as I've been in the business longer and and continued to learn from uh, people a lot smarter than, than me in it I've figured out a way to do it so I understand it's the same process with the guys that come in because once I say it you know they're like come on man let you know let's work I got you but you know let's make sure we get the work in and so um, I just give give them a little bit you know like you know let's 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 get this in and then we'll have, you know, one strength move today, um, you know, but let's work and, and, and let's focus on this today and, and just really try to make sure that at some point um, I tell the guys every time they come in, we're going to accomplish something today. Some some days are a little bit more than others. Hell, some of our accomplishments are going to be that we're going to fail today, but we will accomplish something. So just just buy into it, you know, let, let, let let's work on today. And I just try to do it little bits at a time because, you know, football players um, are just wired different. Like they don't think training, they don't look at training the way, you know, a baseball or basketball athlete does. And and so you really have to um, understand that going in and then just, you know, the, the, the same thing I tell them, we're going to accomplish something small today. I just try to get little victories with them. And then once a guy's in the program and feels different and understands, you know, reaction isn't necessarily going that way fast, but establishing a good, strong foundation and good position before I make that move and anticipating when I have to react, I got to get in that position and, and we'll do a ton of stuff like that. Once they see that and feel that, then it becomes better to buy into something else. And I'm just using that as an example, but, um, you know, them understanding that, you know, glute activation is key. So that glute fires first, right. I'm going to get there faster. And and so just little things like that, um, I try to just really get across to them. It's so interesting hearing you talk about this stuff, yo, because I think when most people think about football strength and conditioning, they think about weights and heavy weights specifically. But you are talking so much more about movement than you are about lifting. When did you realize that was the way – to create a better athlete that it was, it was based on movement, not on different metrics. When I, you know, I, I learned a lot 
in St. Louis, um, and a lot about myself. When I when I played for the Bucks, you know, I'm I'm only five ten. I weighed about 194 pounds. Um, I still played the same position. I was a kick returner, special teams player mostly, backup receiver. Um, you know, I was the fourth receiver at the Bucks and the fifth receiver um, in St. Louis. We we did a lot more four uh, receiver sets. But that was the greatest was, show on turf, though. So. You know, that, yeah. was a, that was a pretty good receiving core to be a part of. <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't to put that you. out there, you know. I, I, Chris, I really appreciate that. I thank you. I was, I was hoping you'd give me a little dap. Oh, of course. <laughs> just, just no. so our listeners know, you know, we're not just talking about a fifth receiver. We're talking about the fifth receiver on the greatest show, arguably the best <laughs> offense there ever was in the NFL. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. But you only uh, had the second best name in the receiving core behind Azahir Akeem, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I told Oz we'd have to work on that. He, he, he nipped me a couple of times on other things too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when I was there, when I was in St. Louis, I weighed 182 pounds, and I was, you know, I wasn't gonna bench the same. But who cared? You know, my movement was better. I was, I was just as fast, maybe a little even more, uh, maybe a little bit faster, just as explosive. So I had basically the same power and I understand I move so much better. And, and, you know, when you do that, it's like, if you get a young kid, um, and this is, this is kind of, you know, kind of some of the things that I, I went through and trying to change this, but you get a young kid and you, you work with them, a kid walks in and you work with them and, and I can get a, a kid on a ladder and have him work a ladder, you know, every day, just a young kid, I'm talking eight, nine years old, just have him work a ladder 30 minutes a day, throw the tennis ball and have him react to it. And then have him do movements that he had been doing his whole life. And his dad or mom or whoever's been watching him is going to say, man, he looks faster. He looks stronger just because we established some coordination. And so just because his movements are a little bit better, it reflects in his performance. And, you know, we do a thing with our young athletes and we call it, you know, one by 20 and what it'll be or 20 by one. I'm sorry. It'll be 20 different exercises and we just do one set and they'll do 10 reps. And we're just trying to establish um, just that they go through a bunch of different movement patterns. Right. And I kind of do that with the, the, the vets when they come in, NFL vets will come in and I may have the primary maybe a bilateral movement like a squat or a hex bar deadlift. And that movement may change every single day. Like, you know, metrics for, you know, strength and conditioning, like it's always about, you know, we progress because of weights or we progress because of rep, um, you know, manipulation, the rep scheme. And sometimes I've just done it where it'll go from a bilateral movement to unilateral the rest of the day. And it may be a unilateral push or unilateral pull, and I'll just change it up just to get them stronger in different movements, not necessarily trying to establish um, uh, strength so I can so we move on in different rep schemes, just knowing, okay, with this guy, I feel he's strong as he's ever going to be and need to be in these movements. So let's just manipulate his progression by changing the exercises. Now, I, I don't have an established that that works, but there's, um, guys that I've been working with two or three years that it's been affected with. They haven't had any non-contact injuries. They've been playing at a high level and they feel better. They move better. 
you know so it's just it's just some different things i'm trying to do to increase uh the trauma on the body by adding crazy weight to a guy that that can squat you know 500 pounds yeah you know and just get him more stable in his joints uh, doing a bunch of bulgarian lifts with reverse you know in the next unilateral day maybe a reverse lunge with a band you know yep yeah for me i mean like that was something that i had to do out of necessity because you know i I started my career at like a, a big box gym and we just we didn't have anything that was over 100 pounds we only had yeah. one squat rack so for me it was a it was a necessity i've got nine nfl guys in here that want to come and train with me and i've only got 100 pound dumbbells what am i going to do to challenge yeah. these guys if, if progressive load isn't going to be the way that i'm going to be able to challenge them so it was coordination based stability based balance based things mm-hmm. like that and then yeah. and then i started doing the research on it and you start to realize wait a second you know they they talk about this in in outliers by Malcolm Gladwell there's a there's a threshold in in IQ and in intelligence that says listen like once you get past a certain point in IQ say 110 120 there's no more difference right yeah. like if you if you yeah. have an IQ of 90 versus 60 that's a big difference yeah. but if you have an yeah. IQ of 150 versus 120 that's not that big of a difference right yeah. so when you're talking about an, an NFL athlete what's the difference between a 485-pound exactly. squat versus a 525-pound squat. Well, and also Not just that much, numerically, right? as you get higher, you're talking about a smaller and smaller percentage difference either. You right. know, you're yeah. talking about... Yeah. Yep. You know, well, what a ten per, you know, not even a ten percent, no, a, a three or four percent difference versus right. you know adding forty pounds from sixty to a hundred is yep. is a forty percent difference. That's it's a right. Massive, massive that's deal. A, and then the and then the other exactly. the other part of that equation is is the risk factor right. because yep. the risk factor just keeps going up and up. That risk doesn't yeah. diminish. That risk increases exponentially. So now you have these diminishing rewards and an increasing risk. So yeah, you just you can't just lift these guys heavy. So I'm I'm yep. glad that. I'm glad that you say that, yo, because a lot of a lot of people have this perception of okay, NFL training, they're just moving big weights and that's not really what sure. it is. We focus more on quality than we focus on quantity. That's exactly it cuz you you know, Chris, we're we're squatting to get, you know, force production. That's what we're doing. That's right. So when when you do it and you guys just said it like you're going to do 485 in in to a 525, what's what's the difference? How is that really helping me? um move better and more acceleration when i run what what how how do i quantify that and then i go into a risk then i go into to to trauma and every time a guy like that weight has to go somewhere it's either getting dispersed in the knee or in the spine that's right so it's like you know great options yeah (laughs) you know what i'm saying And, and so you're just like you know why i do it and and i have and I've had discussions because, you know, and, and I think I think when when, um, you know, people come from just strictly looking at it as a strength coach and, and, and you know, there's people that didn't have to necessarily play the game at any level that can still be open minded and understand, you know, different ways to judge um, their, uh, I guess, um uh, not existence, but, but, you know, their success, I guess I would say. And, and, you know, I have, you know, coaches that come and work for me all the time that I challenge all the time to it. Cause I'll see them with the youth athlete and all they're doing is talking about um, what's the gain in our squat. You know, we're, right. we, we, we've put so much more weight on and I'm like, what do, what do you, you know, what are you trying to get to? You know, what's your weight? I don't know. I'm going to just push him. Why? You know, what, 
talk to me about that. And, and don't get me wrong. I still believe at some point right. um, you, you have to move weight. But what is that point? And make sure that you have it in your program, why we're doing it and when we're doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. don't just do it because it's like, you know, I'm a man and, and men lift weights. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? And, <laughs> right. and I just think we get so caught up in that. All my young coaches – you know, go through that phase. And, and so, you know, I just challenge them and I have no problem because, you know, you know, Chris, I, that's why I like, you know, the Vertimax training, because I, I think I, I, I fit in better. I'm, I'm a team guy and I fit in better when, you know, there's people around that I can, I, I can challenge and can challenge me. And so it, it's good. And I, I tell my coaches, look, I'm not, I'm not talking to you as your boss. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you as a, as a strength coach that just, you know, wants to understand what, what you're doing, you know, what's the philosophy behind it. And, 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 you know, let's just talk through it. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I had this conversation with, uh, I don't want to call this person my trainer. Cause I don't, I don't really consider myself to be the owner of a company or anything like that. I just consider myself to be part of a team. So, you know, I yeah. let, I let this coach know that, listen, your, your ideas are valued. You need to share your ideas because I, I count on you to to give me your ideas and i count on you to challenge me if you don't think that what i have is is a good idea so you know i I think we need more of that you know not just not just in in my place in your place but all around the industry i think we have to be able to challenge each other because you know i hear all the time people like to put me into this box that just because i believe in movement quality that i somehow don't believe in doing squats anymore it's almost like you have to choose like you either yeah. believe in heavy squats or, or you don't other. like uh i still <laughs> yeah. believe in heavy squats i believe so it. i was in the weight but, room lugging <laughs> 45s around yeah. to help put the weight on lorenzo alexander's bar and chris definitely we still lift heavy but it's, it's it's all part of uh it's all part of the equation it's not the full equation you know yeah no yeah. doubt hey yo all right we got like 60 seconds before we got to let you go and i'm gonna be selfish with it i want a good mason foster story before you leave because that's my guy oh man my when i say when i say my guy is mason foster also man i've been i've been working with may since his so i guess that was his third year with the bucks second year, yeah third year with the bucks uh him and and adam hayward another uh yeah, when i asked mason like what should we ask you he's like ask for a good adam hayward story but i don't <laughs> want a good adam hayward story i want a good mason foster story <laughs> well well, May May May's the guy. Like May May, uh, you know, and and I think I think May is so misunderstood, and and obviously you've had some chance to interact with him. You know, May comes out, you know, shooting up his little gang signs, and you know, tattooed <laughs> all up, and then you know, just talks proper and the nicest guy in the world. I I think the biggest thing was we had a fine process. So with the vets. Um, you know, the vets always roll into the field, you know, we're on the field every morning, you know, at 9am. And so that means they think they can get there around nine. And so I told May, and this was probably, well, this is going on about five years ago when we started. So I told May, I said, May, you know, we're, we're starting the fine process and it's not, um, uh, in the parking lot. It's, it's none of that. It's, it's on the field. He's like, yeah, man you know, about time. And I'm tired of all these cats coming in late. And I was like, I'm with you, man. You know, so, um, this was, yeah, this was a, this was a, a, a Friday. Right. And I said, all right, fellas, it, it, when we start, man, we start Monday and anybody late, you gotta be, you can't be in your truck. 
you got to be on the field. Like, man, we ain't playing that. Shoes tied, and we're in the warm-up. You know, that's it. So um, Monday morning, it's 8.54. You know, there's cars screech, you know, flying into the park, you know, hauling <laughs> butt, you know. So so it's like 8.58. May comes flying around. His Range Rover just hitting every speed bump, just hitting it like crazy. <laughs> so May – May doesn't, May, May doesn't do anything like no, no, uh, no, doesn't shut the door, doesn't turn the car off, doesn't put his cleats on, just comes sprinting to the field so he could be there on time. Not only, not only did he have his cleats on, but he leaves his car running. He just puts it in park and, uh, and, and it's late anyway. It's 9.01 and he's out there on the field. I said, man, that's so funny. I, I said, that's a lot of work for a $10 fine. <laughs> That's great. I'm glad he, that is how we use the end of our time. With yeah, that's that was the oh, quality yeah. use of, of a story time there. Yeah, best, best. I mean, when I say like, you know, um, you know, I, I've been blessed to have guys like Adam, like Mason, um, you know, to set the tempo for our vets and our younger guys, you know, with our with our combine training. If a guy comes with us and does combine training, um, what we do is we let we we encourage them to come back um after OTAs with their new team and train for free and it gives them an opportunity to see you know how these guys you know you know Mason Foster Clint McDonald William Golston you know George Johnson you know Noah Spence all these guys how they work um and you know just shows them how to be a pro and and a guy like Mason just you know each and every year he just you know, he's, he's so gracious and to me and, and then the way that he treats the young guys, um, you know, he, we, we did a thing. I'm going to have to send it to you guys. We did a thing a day in the life. And I had one of my um, uh, uh, young guys that works the front desk, but he's a high school athlete. I had him follow around Mason for the whole day, went to his house hung out with him from like nine in the morning until like eight at night and just videotaped everything on a GoPro and it, you know, it's just really cool how, you know, just gracious, you know, May's playing video games with him. You know, it's just a, it's a really cool thing. So I'll have to shoot it to you guys. Yeah, for sure, man. That's awesome. If you want to follow Yo on Twitter, you can at Yo Performing. Yo, what's your Instagram page if people want to catch you there? Uh, just Yo Murph. All right. Well, we will definitely give you Yo a follow Murph. there. And if you are, if you are in Tampa yeah. or anywhere near Florida where you can go check out this facility, you need to go check it out. ASPI. It's in Tampa, Florida. Check out Yo Murphy. Uh, it's, it's second to none. I promise you. Thanks, fellas. I really appreciate it. Appreciate yeah, you got it, man. We, we will uh, do this again for sure and hopefully see you in oh, person yeah. down in Tampa, man. Yo, I'll catch oh, up yeah. with you soon. Okay, thanks, fellas. See, see you guys. Great stuff there from Yo Murphy. Greg and Chris back in studio, although I guess we did the interview from studio. We didn't go anywhere. We're still right here. You're still right here. That's it. not on the phone anymore. (laughs) Um, So going over some of the the stuff that he talked about that we want to kind of rehash here, um, expand upon on the back end before we we let you go here on the podcast. And again, appreciate everyone listening always. If you want to get the podcast fresh every single time it's new and available just hit the subscribe button and you can do that on stitcher you can do it on soundcloud you can do it on itunes um any way you consume podcasts there's a subscribe button um rate and review as well we always appreciate the kind words that's right but, um, and send questions send yeah questions. absolutely we got to do a q a episode soon. yeah we do um, we do 
You know, I get a lot. I got a lot of questions like that. Just people just kind of DM me or whatever. So yeah, we'll, we'll, start, we'll take a look at some of the good ones. Them. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't get that many, but may, <laughs> maybe I'll start if I ask for them. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do some Q and A's on Twitter sometimes, and I occasionally do actually get get some fitness stuff thrown in there. So, um, we'll we'll, we'll do a Q and A episode. So we get maybe, we get Q and A from from JP Finley. Yeah. About is, is this, this sandwich? Is good? this sandwich? <laughs> is Wawa hoagie a good idea yeah. at eleven o'clock at night? Shout out no. to the Wawa mobile app. I didn't even realize that. I mean, I guess everybody's got an app today but yeah Jeez. i mean they already have touch screens in the freaking yeah restaurant. i know how much <laughs> easier do you need it jp that is such a jp finley yeah. move we should do a podcast full of jp finley stories uh, nobody we should we nobody, gotta get jp on nobody it. listening to this podcast even knows who jp finley is but we do and that's all that matters <laughs> um good friend nbc sports washington here in dc um anyway what were we talking about yo murphy and his interview uh some of the things that he talked about in terms of how he's training very differently than the traditional football training and yeah um squat deadlift bench it's it's just the three big lifts and and they're they're so important but maybe not as important as we thought and, and certainly i think the biggest difference as i talk to more and more guys players coaches talk with you more on this podcast it's it's not necessarily that those movements are bad ideas it's how you do them That's right. versus just trying to lift the most weight possible that idea that it's just like how much can you bench how much can you squat how much can you deadlift that idea seems to be dying yeah i i think so i think we i mean we've just talked to enough people on this podcast and you know in private conversations but will compton has said something about yeah. it Cobbs, you know, randall Cobb said the same thing lorenzo yo murphy i mean that you just hear it from from so many different people and you know the biggest thing with squat, deadlift, bench, and especially O-lift, these things have to be done properly. Right. And a lot of people just don't do it well enough that they can load it up at 500, 600 pounds and not hurt themselves or not create a pattern that's going to eventually lead to them hurting themselves. Right. Right? Um, the way I, I like to I like to compare it to the Concorde. So for for our younger listeners and for yeah. our older listeners here they they know exactly what the concorde is the concorde is supersonic flight transatlantic from from london to to new york and you can get there in three and a half hours right you can literally leave london at noon and get to new york and when you land in new york it's two hours before you left right right because they're five hours ahead so i mean if you think about supersonic commercial flight that's an engineering feat that is freaking incredible. Right. The fact that we had that is is incredible. That's dead now. You can't right. fly a Concorde anymore. Not a thing. And the, and the reason why is because it was not scalable. This was by far the most fantastic, amazing engineering feat that we've probably ever had to be able to take somebody from London to New York in three and a half hours, breaking the sound barrier. And it's dead now because we couldn't scale it, right? The Concorde had to fly super, super, super high, right? They they they, they engineered this thing so that it even had like a, a a droop on the nose so that the so that they uh, the the pilots could actually see because it, we it had to have like such a high tilt on their takeoff and landing patterns. So that was just one of the engineering things. Then. It couldn't fly over land. Like, you couldn't go from New York to L.A., which cut out an entire market. You couldn't do that because of the supersonic boom. If you're going at supersonic speeds, right. that boom is going to burst house windows and all kinds of other stuff that's going on below you, right? So you couldn't do that. 
So now, and, and then the other thing was, now you have you have customers who pay for a Concorde flight. If that if there's something wrong with that plane, you can't just jump on any other plane. Right. It's not an Airbus that is easily replaceable. You have to have another Concorde that's ready to go. So now they have this billion-dollar plane that just sits there at JFK just for, for no other reason but just in case. So it just it just became an unscalable model, and, and that model is... No longer existent. Not only not only that, but then the the, the big thing is on the Concorde, it, it only fit 120 passengers, so it had to, it had to be super expensive. It priced itself way out. It just it was for a small population, and that's how I look at like squat and and O lift. This is for such a small population that can do this right, and it might be the best. If you're gonna sit in here and tell me that the Olympic lift is the best way to develop power and the squat is the best way to develop leg strength, guess what? I freaking agree with you. Yeah, you're right, but it's not scalable. Not for the athlete that I'm only gonna see for four weeks. What what differences can I make in four to six weeks without having to spend an entire three weeks just teaching them how to squat and get them into a loading pattern that is gonna keep them safe? And so, the Concorde is dead. I'm not saying that the squat or the Olympic lift is going to die. I th- I just think that you have to take a look at it from a scalability standpoint. It's not something that everybody should be doing because they can't do it safely. And if you can't do it safely, what are the other things that we can do that maybe aren't quite as good as the Concorde, but maybe not quite as good as squat and O-lift, but can they get us pretty good results and they can can they get us to where we want to go? Absolutely, absolutely, and 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 we're seeing that a lot in in, in the industry now. What? Another another one of my friends, a, a really good friend of mine, took over for a strength and conditioning program at a major school, and he ended up stepping down because they were so married to squat. It was like, oh well, what are you going to do about squat? Oh, well, somebody's hip hurts, they should squat. Somebody's knee hurts, well, they should squat. He's like, listen, we should not squat this much. And he ended up like relinquishing his position and saying, "Listen, I'm going to step down. I'm just going to do my thing with this team. And if you want to use some of my stuff, great. But this is this is somebody that could absolutely help that school. And right. he ended up stepping down from that position because they were so married to what they were going to do about squat racks that he he just couldn't take it anymore. That's why. So I I just I just think that you know as as an industry we have to. I'm not again. I'm not saying here that. You shouldn't squat. You shouldn't o lift and all that stuff. I just think that we have to we have to approach it a little bit differently than saying everybody has to squat and right. everybody has to o lift. What are some of the the replacement things that you think are are really effective that aren't the Concord, but that you just think are much more practical? Yep. So for me, hex bar jumps. Um, hex bar jumps is a big one. The RFE stick is a big one. Um, the the Vertimax is a big one, and then the Kaiser squat. So if, if I don't get it from an O lift, can I get it by systematically programming Kaiser squat, Vertimax, hex bar deadlifts, and RFE sticks? I think so. I've covered yeah. I've covered a lot of bases there. I've yeah. co- I've covered my my strength speed, my speed strength. I've covered eccentric. I've covered I've co- I've covered a lot of things there. So. Again, it's not something that is as good as the Olympic lift. So, again, don't argue with me because I agree with you. But this is something that I can teach. I can teach anybody to do a Kaiser squat in 10 seconds. Yeah. I can can teach somebody how to do a hex bar jump in 10 seconds. It's going to take me months to get somebody to be able to do a proper Olympic lift. Not, Not to mention the equipment that I need, right? Not right. just the equipment that I need from from an equipment standpoint and the barbells and 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 the plates, but that person's got to have the shoes. Yeah, 
No, I wouldn't even let. Too. I wouldn't even let them lift without the shoes. And how many? How many of your JV soccer players are coming in there with weightlifting shoes? Right. And why are you making them do overhead snatch? <laughs> right. Like let's just let's just be honest. Right. Right. The risk. The risk factor is extraordinarily. It it, it all is risk reward. I mean, that's all this. All what a lot of this industry is 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 figuring out what are you trying to accomplish and how can we get there. Yeah. Um, and part of getting there is making sure we don't get hurt along the way. Yeah. And so and so I think I think that, you know, we talked about the threshold. I think those four movements, the Kaja squat, the the, the hex bar deadlifts and, and hex bar jumps, the, the RFE sticks and, and the Vertimax, I think those are great ways to get somebody past that threshold. And then we can work on other things. Because like what you just heard with, with Yo, a lot of times just, just getting these guys to be more aware and more coordinated of their body. That's that's kind of the difference between them performing at their best versus them, you know, being injured. Right. You know, there's no difference. Like they, it just doesn't make sense to push somebody from a 485 squat or bench to a 525 or a 550 or 600 even. Like what's the what's the point at that at, at that weight? A cool Instagram post. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's there's not a good answer. Um, anything else from Yo that you wanted to hit on real quick? Man, just a, a like incredibly humble guy yeah it doesn't it doesn't come across uh and this in this podcast because of his voice and, and the his demeanor but this is a guy that is doing it right that's one of the best in the industry and like i said man i've been to nike world headquarters in oregon i've been to exos in arizona i've been to a lot of different facilities and this facility in tampa is second to none with the exception of the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, that's number one. Right. Okay. I don't second think. I don't one. think. Yeah. Second to one. <laughs> I think. I think that's the that's the one place that I will point to and be like, yeah, that's kind of unbeatable. But right. this place here in, in in Tampa, man, if you if you have a chance to go down there and, and work out, awesome. If it, if you can't work out and you just want to learn a lot that day, that's a great place to do it. Yeah. No, that's an off season trip for sure in the making. Um, you got some events coming up that we definitely want to yep. let people know. November 18th, I'm going to be at the works working with my good friend Maya Carney um, to do a corrective exercise seminar for some of her clients and whoever else wants to come in and learn a little bit more about how to treat back pain and knee pain and shoulder pain. Um, and then December 2nd is our is our Vertimax uh, certification program down in Richmond. December 3rd, if you're in Tampa, go mm -hmm. see Yo. He's he's running yep. the he's running the Vertimax certification program down there on december 3rd so uh yeah a lot of big things coming up for sure for sure um again if you want to get questions in uh, a q a episode definitely coming soon uh you can hit us on twitter or instagram i'm at craig hoffman on twitter at craig underscore hoffman on on the gram as the kids <laughs> say uh, he's at trainer gorez on both uh again really appreciate everybody subscribing to the podcast checking it out um you know if you like it anything in particular feel free to share it too you know whether it's facebook twitter whatever um definitely appreciate the love uh some of you guys have been doing that a lot and we really do appreciate it um that's that's all i got you got anything, you got anything else that's it see you guys next time all right that's it and that's all for the train with the best podcast